Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? It's no holes, boy. I tried. You you succeeded. That's it, though. I I expended everything I had in the open. I will be doing the talking for the rest of the episode. It was a foolish. I feel like I've been stuck in the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Have we pinpointed what the problem is there yet? No, I don't. We're still trying to hash that out. The details. Like we've never solved it, right? Like what is going on there? I feel like more pressing matters came up, and they just kind of shoved it to the side. I heard an interesting theory yesterday mm-hmm. that um, when the threat of nuclear war ended, and like the the fear of like a nuclear apocalypse, right. people replaced that fear with the current climate apocalypse. Oh. And now it's like the fear of people apocalypse. Yes. Yes, yes, it is. I'd rather get back to the fear of the Bermuda Triangle apocalypse. It seems like it's really lost its luster. I think it's got some work to do. It's going to really take down something to recapture the magic. Did it have something to do with magnetic fields? Am I wrong in thinking that? That sounds right. But that could have just been like Twilight Zone or something. So when I was like a kid, um, I was terrified of... um, I saw an episode of the Twilight Zone where this guy went back in time and met the KKK. And then oh. and I saw like the 60 Minutes episode of the about the KKK. And the KKK, like, I mean, the KKK terrified me. I guess I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't have anything to fear, I suppose. But like, but I was so scared of them. And then the next day, my dad woke me up with a fucking white towel on his head. Like to bust you up or just coincidental? No, to not to bust me up. <laughs> to terrify me wow that's awful it is i was like six or seven ready for petrate eight yeah right and i was like i mean he wasn't wearing his full kkk regalia but the one then i was like do the cake do they come here to saint bruno and he's like oh yeah yeah all the time (laughs) uh that would explain the demographics why was why was he doing that i don't know to torture it, you. It does explain a, a lot in Quebec. Or maybe payback for you being an asshole. As a six-year-old? Yep. 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 I'd like to think that I became an asshole later in life. Do you think there's a difference between a ghost town and like a sleepy town? Well, the ghost like, when you think town. Of sleep, when you think of like a sleepy town, what do you think of? Uh, a sleepy town feels like a quiet area um you know away from the city like you know when you wake up in the morning and you hear nothing that feels like a sleepy town as a sleepy town so you just kind of like a one town one road town type of thing yeah and there's probably fog in the morning right you can yeah whereas a ghost town there's nobody or it's inhabited i see that's why i haven't figured out yet is a ghost town uninhabited or is it only inhabited by ghosts? Yeah, I think it's a combo. Mm. Because 
if ghosts exist, aren't they living everywhere? You would think so, <clears throat> but made them more comfortable being out in the open in a ghost town. Okay, so like they can kind of like be themselves. Yeah, you know, that's where mm-hmm. scaring any kids are off. Or any yeah, they they birth. probably feel a bit ostracized when people are always screaming at them. Right, right. Just are running. they are they the ultimate marginalized group? <laughs> Ghosts. Uh, all right, I feel like I'm wasting my voice on this nonsense. Uh, I've had a week, Aaron, but I'm here for you. And I'm here for you. We're going to do this. Yeah, we are. We're going to nail this one um, because this deals with one of our favorite people of all time. It does. It was uh, both of our number ones in uh, the GWWE project we did, what, five years ago now? That we'll be uh, digging into again soon, Aaron. This is a yes, hint, hint. Yes, we will. <clears throat> so, yes, we are covering the Macho Man Randy Savage's first WWF world title reign. So here on this show, we are going through once a month every WWF title change in history. This is our third episode, and then we're ranking them based on a set of metrics. Do you want to give those categories? I would absolutely love to. So the re- the metrics we are looking for uh, with these title ch- – well, we're, are we, we're doing title changes i guess reigns too um uh, we yeah, have ma- we're, we're doing the beginning and end of every reign basically so. yeah so we're looking at match quality uh, how good the match is uh the significance the moment itself so how well did that moment pop or what have you the build to it and then finally the aftermath so the aftermath dealing with what was the rain like uh did it did it have an impact on the company stuff like that All right. Well, <clears throat> very good. Very good. And so far, we've dealt with the uh, the seminal years of the company with the backends mm-hmm. and the San Martinos. Last time, we finished up the Hulkamania era, and uh, we start this one with a bit of controversy. We do. So in our last episode, we capped off with Hulk Hogan losing his title to Andre the Giant on the main event. And that title subsequently was held up because Andre forfeited it to Ted DiBiase. Jack Tunney ruled that. As something that could not be done. <clears throat> that so no be, good, and, Jack Tunney. Yeah, and, and I mentioned I had a week. That's why I have no voice here, Aaron. So I apologize to everyone listening, but I'm, I'm going to gut through it. Uh, <clears throat> so Jack Tunney vacated it, put it up for grabs in a tournament to happen at WrestleMania 4. And in the finals of that tournament, after a long night, we have Macho Man Randy Savage against a million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. There's a lot of backstory to this one, uh, whether... The original plan was for this match, with the original plan was for DiBiase to win the title, for Hogan to win the title. Of course, if you look at the original brackets that aired on Primetime Wrestling and on TV, these guys could not have met in the finals in the original permeation of it. So I don't know if that propagates the rumors being you know, more true. The story as goes, whether it's been proven or not, is that Macho Man was supposed to regain the IC title from the Honky Tonk Man in the main event. Honky pulled the power play, refused to drop it, so they gave Savage this instead. I, I feel like maybe that's somewhere in the middle, but, uh, you know, and, and the original plan would have been Hogan, I guess, going over DiBiase in the tournament, or DiBiase perhaps going over Hogan or going over Savage. But at the end of the day, the decision is made to go with the Macho Man at the end of this night. Uh, anything you know otherwise around, around that piece? No, but, like, it, all the theories I've ever heard about it, there's always something that doesn't quite feel right about them. So what I mean is, is that like, if they viewed Savage as an intercontinental guy, I, I feel like honky pulling a power play 
wouldn't make them bump Savage up to the world title. Right. It's like, oh, well, then we'll just reward. That feels strange. It also feels strange to give DiBiase the tournament win here, as opposed to just letting him keep the belt from the main event. So those are always the kind of caveats I had with all the theories. Like, I mean, who knows uh, what it was in the end, but but like those theories feel strange because if you're going to go with DiBiase, wouldn't the heat be better if he just bought the belt? Yes. And then you could double down and have him like steal a win over Hogan at Mania. Yeah, that's it. Um, But I'm happy we got what we got, obviously. Now, did you, in preparation for this, you obviously watched the entire tournament, right? Twice. Good, 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 good. It only took about two hours. Wow. Did you watch it uh, (laughs) fast forward? (laughs) Yes. Uh, But this match is the culmination of that tournament. And one of the things I love about the whole tournament is I love that as soon as the show goes on the air, not that we're going to review the whole show, but as soon as the show goes on the air, Jesse's talking about the tournament. Yes, they do do a great job of hyping it for sure. Like the whole show, even though you know they have some pretty big undercard matches. Um, <clears throat> so it's like, but the whole, they do such a good job of just really honing in on the tournament being the show and right down to Robin Leach, bringing the belt out, yeah. all the big stars being in the tournament. Like who was really on the card that could have been in there that wasn't like warrior. I mean, he's not super high profile enough to where it feels like a big miss not having him in there. So, yeah. I mean, is there anyone else really like beefcake, I guess, but he's in the IC title mix honky same. And then even like right down to like, like Tito and Martell are guys you may think would be in there, but they're in a tag team title match. So we're not you, like, no one's really left out. Yeah. I mean, if I've always thought if you wanted, you could do a 16 man tournament by throwing in either warrior Hercules, uh, beefcake or honky. Right. And then make it a bit even and give yourself some different matchups. But yeah, like, I mean, the, the big egregious thing on that is the is, is a match like Warrior and Hercules feels superfluous on the card. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big issues with this show is the length. I think that that definitely hurts it. Um, it's a tough one. And it, Scott, when we did this one recently on Place to Be podcast in the last few years, like it. To me, it's the ultimate nostalgia show. Like, it's such a comfort meal to sit and watch this between Jesse and Gorilla and the background and all the stars. But from, like, a critical eye, it's a real tough, could be a real tough watch. I mean, none of the matches really top out over maybe, like, the three-ish star range at best. But And it's such a long watch. But it was also one I loved renting as a kid. You got the double VHS box, so I feel like you were getting extra. Um, and there's so many matches and so much going on. You get your bang for your buck when you rented it. So it's, it's a real dichotomy. I think, I think if you grew up in the era, you probably like the show a lot more than someone that maybe started watching in like the nineties and went back and watched it. It's a, it's very much a watch in the moment to enjoy show. Right. Because like, even if the matches aren't, uh, all great, they're also not like the tournament matches themselves are not, none of them are really bad. They don't, well, there's a couple, but Jake, Jake Rude, Jake Rude and Dino uh, Morocco and gang gang Bigelow is pretty rough. Yeah, but it's like three minutes long, you know, but that being said, if you're invested in who's going to win the tournament, I think the show becomes a lot more interesting Uh in, in, in a lot of like, I think the, you could probably really compare it to the deadly game, although the deadly game is not, yeah, it's not as long, but none of the matches are good in that either. No, but it's all about the journey there. It's really like, I'll put it this way. It's a show you want to watch on your terms. Like, yeah, 
I want to just be sick like I am today and lay down and put it on just to like mindlessly enjoy like a bit of my childhood. But if you yeah. tell me I have to watch it because I'm doing a podcast or a review or whatever reason, then I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. I got to sit through WrestleMania 4, right? Um, so I think that's like the best way to put it. Like it's one that you just want to watch on your own time when you can watch it. I got slightly ar- uh, aggravated having to watch one match from it. Right, right. Like, okay, I'll watch the main event. <laughs> Um, but I will say this: time has made this show uh, feel less long in comparison to current day WrestleMania. It's also true. It's also true, and it's not the only standout mania, like lengthwise, in this time. I mean, three isn't that much shorter, I don't think. And, and five, five, and six, and seven are really long. Seven's like over three and a half hours. I, yeah. I think it's just kind of overlooked because, again, of the nostalgia. Uh, and it's just like a different era, but those shows are all pretty long. They don't trim down Mania until eight, and then it stays but, trimmed down for a while. But but Seven's also a better show. Oh, for sure. Yes, no denying. I mean, that. actually, every WrestleMania round, it's a better show. Like three's a better show, five's a better show. No. Well, I mean, it's it's a bottom tier. Like right when we did, when we ranked all of our Mania shows. This finished. You're looking what? 36, 35, 34, 33, 32, 31. Right. 31st. So it was a bottom five show for us. Wow. That doesn't feel right. But. I mean, you look above it. I get. Uh, all right. We're not going to go no, back I'm not gonna read. You want for a couple years ago. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the first match, which is, uh, like we said, Savage DiBiase. And again, end of a long night. We get the celebrities that kind of bring out the importance. We get. Uh, Bob Uecker ends this night-long uh, or two-year-long storyline with Vanna White. Yeah. Finally gets his kiss. Robin Leach brings out the belt. He does that weird little run down the aisle with the belt, like yeah, like he's trying to bring the Olympic torch or something, like or or like he's uh, it was like a dramatic old-style movie film. A guy like pulling like a bunt cake out of the oven. He's gonna get to the table because it's too hot. Like that's what he looks like he's running. I love that you said movie film as though you were Borat. <laughs> Describing an American tradition. It's a mega movie film. <laughs> movie film. Um, I love too that Bob Euchre is the ring announcer for this one. Never mind just the Vanna White. He's the ring announcer. And when he when he calls DiBiase to the ring, he goes, accompanied by himself. Uh uh-uh, uh. He's got the big boy with him. I think it's a real big miss that Euchre wasn't involved in like more Dota F events. Maybe they just couldn't get him. Maybe maybe someone pissed him off. I don't know. I mean, I th- I think he's just probably busy because he does like every Brewers game, but um, <clears throat> that had to be like a chance to bring him in for more stuff. Like he had such gravitas and he clearly liked the product. Like he knew what was going on. He was such a mainstay of the eighties between baseball yeah. and um, Mr. Belvedere and everything else. You'd think like they could have found a way to keep him more involved. And he was good. Like he always did a great job. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he knew his shit. Like he was clearly a fan. Yeah, it was cool. And they brought him back for the Hall of Fame. And he still has that 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 moment where Andre it's at this show where Andre chokes him is awesome. Yes. Yep, it's classic. Perfect face. Like he got he, I think he just got the business. He did. That's what I mean. Like he could have been like a cool addition as like um a special <clears throat> just a special announcer that they bring in for like big events or something because it's like he wasn't a sports announcer, you know, so why not just right. bring him in for like random pay-per-views here and there and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So we're playing up the Andre DiBiase stuff, which has been a great storyline, of course. And DiBiase's one, 
one match from cashing in to, yes, play out this plan, right? This has been how it's all been set up since he bought him from Bobby. And I thought Savage and Liz looked great as they come down to. It's been a big night for him during the fourth outfit of the night. Yeah, yeah, fourth outfit. I, I, Andre's out in his wrestling gear. I really wish he was wearing that gray suit that he wears in the Saturday Night's main event. Yes. That I'm sure he had to have made special, I'm sure. I would think every suit he had was made special. Yeah. Uh, I think this had a pretty good big match feel. I know this arena gets maligned uh, now and then by, by folks. And I could, I could see it because there are times where they're kind of dead. You know, you're, it's like a casino crowd. There's a lot of comps and this and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also kind of spacious and like vacuous, I guess. Right. The way it's set up is like very spread out and wide versus like straight up and down. It just, it goes way out. It's like cavernous. So I think that sucks up some of the sound. I think five is actually worse than four. It's, Really, because it's funny because we're going to contrast these two matches, mm-hmm. and I think there's a definite um, difference in crowd sound between the two, and I think the advantage goes to five. Oh, I think for this individual match, I think yeah. from a show standpoint, I always felt like four had a little more engagement right? <laughs> versus five. Um, but here it feels like a big match. It definitely does. And the crowd is into Hogan as he comes out. And I like that they got Andre involved out of the gate. Yeah, and I also love, too, that even though we, we talked about Euchre, we also get Jesse having a really interesting dissection about who he would rather date between Vanna White and Elizabeth. <laughs> yes. And he decides on Vanna White because you'd have to fight Randy Savage to get to Elizabeth. Gorilla was all in on Liz immediately. Liz, yeah. It's yeah. like such a poor diss to poor Vanna. It's not like she was, you know, what's going on with her? Yeah, it's Vanna White, like, in the 80s. Gorilla's, like, in on Liz. He said, like, immediately. Um, the commentary is good here too. Uh, beyond that, uh, driving the story that DiBiase will do anything to win the title. Like that's been very clear and a big part of this whole storyline that he's willing to go to every length to take the belt. Yeah. And you're, you're right that Andre gets involved like immediately. Like, I think it's like the first move in the corner and he's pulling his leg. Yeah. It trips him. And that's always such a great bump. It's not the first and only time they do that bump where um, he trips Savage, and Savage is such a good sell of it. We're just like kind of leaps up and falls on his side. Yeah, yeah, and it really kind of starts selling the idea that the odds are like completely stacked against Savage here. Yeah, oh yeah, you could feel it. Um, you could feel the momentum almost, even though, and also the fact that DiBiase's had an easier night. Like we didn't really talk at the path, but <clears throat> DiBiase beat Duggan, Morocco, and then he got a buy, and yeah. Savage had to go through Reed, Valentine, and Gang. So. That's right. honest, and, he's been resting since early, like middle of the night. And gang beat him up after the match too. Yeah. Yep. So with the cane on top of it all. Um, I and like that, at the beginning. And that DiBiase Morocco match, that was early in the second round. So, I mean, it's probably been at least 90 minutes that he'd been resting at this point. Yeah. That's easily Don Morocco's best match as a face. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree. I mean, unless you count the Survivor Series with Hogan, but whatever. You even get the barrel roll, right? Is that this one? Yeah, I believe it is. Um, I love the chain wrestling at the start. Like, I like it. It starts with a wrestling match. Like, Savage realizes he has to wrestle this dude as opposed to fight him since he's tired. I think mm. it's a good way to start the match. Yep. yep. But um, you could. what I like, too, is the story at the beginning is very much as soon as anything happens to Savage, you could see he's tired. So they do a really good job telling the story of the paths to the match at the beginning of the match. Yep. And he's selling right away. So they're obviously trying to condense the match because they're running tight. Obviously it's only four hours at this point. Right. So you're not going 20. 
So you have to get into the heat segment right away. And that's an easy way to do it. He's tired and Andre, right? So you can put him right into a heat segment. He doesn't get like any offense. Yeah. Now, I I will say that I found at the start of this match, the crowd is, you can tell the crowd is really burnt out. Right. And I think they probably could have helped themselves out a little bit by speeding up the beginning of the match a bit. Like, because they were going to go less time, I think they could have maybe set them, as much as they are telling the story, I think even just, like, DiBiase putting a bit more kip in all of his stuff could have really helped transition move to move to help them, like, get the crowd back into it. Yeah, I mean, that's a DiBiase thing, right? Moves very slow slow on offense uh, between moves, very methodical, but I agree. He could have picked it up. But that said, everything's pretty smooth with them. You can tell they have the chemistry. Yeah. Um, Savage's selling is on point, and DiBiase's so good at feeding and bumping, which feeds into Savage's manic offense because uh, he, he can get up so quick and bump back down. Uh, Andre keeps paying dividends, <clears throat> which, again, is a big component of the match and the story. Uh, and and to, to your point, the crowd too, they do these quick pops, but then they burn out quick after that. So they're at least popping for the big spots, but there's no sustained buzz. Uh, yeah. Here. They are chanting for Hogan a lot mm-hmm. uh, at the start of this. And it kind of culminates early on when like DiBiase gets hit with a high knee, uh, falls to the outside and Savage climbs to do the double axe handle on the floor. And Andre stands in the way. Yep. And I love Andre just telling him to jump. Right. Daring him. Come get me. And it's such a good um, camera shot. The visual is awesome. Because Andre just looks like he's like 25 feet tall, the way they do the camera shot. Yeah, they got a lot of balls calling a guy the wall in wrestling <laughs> after a shot like this. <laughs> this is a literal right. brick of person. The ultimate wall. Uh, but then, yeah, so Savage finally does send Liz to go get Hulk Hogan. Uh, so she disappears for a bit, and DiBiase takes control. His offense is crisp. Uh, methodically picking apart Savage. And I actually like this part of it, even though it is a little slow. It's It makes it feel like he's trying to ensure that he doesn't make any mistakes. Because, like, like yeah. he kind of knows this is his best shot. Like, plan A failed. Plan B is, like, on the on the doorstep, on the cusp. And he cannot fuck this up. So he's, like, doing everything he can to keep control of this match and not overstep and, and screw something up. Yeah, I, I like this part, too. My my worry, my problem with the slowness was kind of closer to the beginning of the match. But, yes, I agree. Why why does Hogan need Liz? Is he not watching backstage? Maybe he's, like, showering, you know? I guess. It's been a while since him and well, I maybe maybe like Maybe, like, he promised he wouldn't get involved or something. Okay. I'm gonna, I, want you to, I want to do this on my own, brother. <laughs> right, like, could have been something like that. Um, I also always was a huge fan of DiBiase's fist drops. Is yeah. that, that was like is that best. is that his way of getting around the closed fist rule? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess fist drops illegal. Yeah. Like he was the only one I remember doing that at the at, in that era. Do you think would it have been different if Hogan was out there from the beginning? Do you think it would have been better or worse? If, like, Savage came halfway down the aisle, turned and pointed, and Hogan came out behind him? Like, do you think the crowd is more into it and, like, there's more of a rally feel? Yes, because the crowd was more into Hogan on this night than they were Savage. Right. I get what they were trying to do, and it's more dramatic, I think, him coming out mid-match. But when you said that, it made me realize, like, yeah, maybe it is kind of stupid that he didn't come out on his own. So maybe it would have been better um, to do it that way. Yeah, or, or, like... 
or like have a vignette where he's like, I'm here if you need me, brother, or, so, you know, like something like that. Right. But then he like, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's probably better if he comes out at the start. But then it it probably takes away from Savage. Yeah, they're in a they're in a weird spot with Hogan here, mm-hmm. which I think does Savage no favors. Not not that it's bad or anything, but like the crowd is as soon as Andre, like as soon as Andre does that first trip, the crowd is chanting for Hogan. Right, right. They're ready for him. So they might as well have just brought him out. I mean, and the match is only like, what, nine minutes? Or, I mean, so it's not like we're waiting forever for this. No. What no, is no, it? No. It's, uh, yeah, 927. So it's not like the sitting around. Uh, no. I love the fake big elbow where Savage lightnings up to the top, but DiBiase dodges it. It's a good tease because that Savage yeah. lightning strike is real. Like he's done that a ton of times where all of a sudden he's like back in the match, just the elbow and it's done. So I thought that was a really good miss. Um, you know, fake out. Well, it, it happened earlier in the night with Butch Reed. That's how he beat Butch Reed. Right, right. He was getting his ass kicked. Slammed him, him off the, the top. top. Yeah. Did Are you a fan of Hogan's uh, red pants with no shirt? <clears throat> yeah, because it does feel like he was, you know, calling it a night. He knew his night was over and he got hosed and he wasn't. It makes it feel a little less like he was planning to come out and steal the spotlight. Right. <laughs> like, was he going home in those pants like that with no shirt? Well, maybe he just hadn't gotten a shirt on yet, and all of a sudden Liz burst in. I guess. I mean, I guess if I, I as soon as I, if I'm in a, in an activity where I'm not wearing a shirt, as soon as I can throw a shirt back on, it's on right away. Is that my insecurity? I mean, if you look like Hogan, I guess if I was orange like him, he also taking it off. I also love too that when Hogan gets down, he puts a chair in the corner and sits there with his arms crossed like a judge. <laughs> that was his way of saying, "I'm just watching." I'm not doing anything, brother. And as soon as he gets involved with Andre punching him, they're automatically the biggest pops of the match so far. Yeah, it's clear it's still a Hogan promotion. I mean, they're going to do all they can to get that onto Savage. And look, I'm not absolving myself. Like, I think there is a feeling that, oh, well, Hogan usurped Savage's moment and this and that. But I think when you really watch this stuff, it's clear. I mean, they they, they knew. I think they were trying to trying to push that onto Savage as much as they could. Savage was over, but Hogan was still Hogan. I think they were trying, I think they were legitimately trying to give Savage the rub. Right. Yeah, I don't think they were there. And I don't think Hogan was, I mean, I don't think Hogan was out there trying to sabotage. In the same way that when when we talk about Warrior, like people say, well, look what Hogan was doing at the end and the cart, but it's like, that's not him. That's that's them putting the camera on him and leaving the camera on him. Right, right. Uh, so a moment later, Hogan does get involved, and he ends up hitting DiBiase with a chair while he's got the Million Dollar Dream. Savage recovers, hits the elbow, uh, which is a great shot. The camera work is perfect. It's kind of an iconic photo, him coming off the top with a big elbow. Yeah. <clears throat> and he wins the title. Jesse immediately calls it tainted. Uh, and we get the epic now, celebration with the Mega Powers and Elizabeth. Now, if anybody should be upset with Hogan in, in this instance, I got to believe it's Robin Leach. His one job at the show was to present the championship to the the winner. Mm-hmm. Hogan like rips it out of his hand, runs like was that? I wonder if that was supposed to be there all along, or if that was kind of unscripted. Uh, yeah, I don't know. May should have ran they, a little faster. Because I remember that's what they brought him in for was to present the championship. Well, he failed. Hogan screwed Robin Leach, man. But yeah, the, the the end of the match is so iconic with all the mega power stuff. And Liz on the shoulders and 
Yeah, this is all like the all-time classic photos from the from the chair shot through the celebration is like I mean, there's posters everywhere. Like this is these are the photos. Liz in the white dress on Savage's shoulder, him and Hogan pose. You know, like all of that is classic <clears throat> 30F mid 80s. Late 80s. Now, I should say. do you think it helps or hurts that Hogan get, comes in and hits him with a chair? Um. I mean, Savage at least still hits his finisher. <clears throat> and I think the fact that he had wrestled four matches, Andre kept getting involved. Like, I think it's okay. If if none of that had happened and Hogan did the chair, it probably feels a little worse. Right. I think you could have done it in a way where Andre is about to wipe out Savage and Hogan just takes him out. Um, mm. But I don't know. Like, did Austin hit and rock with the chair taint McFoley's win? Uh, no. You know what I mean? Like, it's... No. Again, I think yeah. time helps these things. Like, I think this, there was a stretch where I probably would have raged on that, and I probably did. Like, it's like, mm. uh, why did Hogan have to use a chair and this and that? But looking back again, it's like they they did a good job of building the odds so precipitously that it felt like okay, it felt warranted. Yeah, it just it's it feels like an extreme version of the face cheating, right? You know, like at at, at SummerSlam '88. I know it's later. Liz doesn't get on the apron and, and hit Teddy Biasi with a chair, right? right. She just kind of shows him her ass, right? Like, it, it, it just, and, like, you know, think of Piper and uh, Rude at SummerSlam 89. It's a moon. It just feels like that step, that, that step far that you don't see out of faces in this era. Yes. But I don't hate it or anything. I just thought it was interesting. Like, like re-watching it, I thought, huh, like, like it, it was just something that kind of stood out for me. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, it, I could see the arguments a step too far. I, I think they did a, a, they got to the line where it's like just enough bullshit to make you feel like a fucking, you know, like fuck this. Like DiBiase <clears throat> and Andre have really put the screws to all these guys for the last like three months. Like it's, uh, it's been warranted given everything they did with the fake referee, with the buy-in of the title, with Andre in the corner. Like I think it warranted one chair shot to DiBiase probably. Right. Uh, that said, I do think again there's a world where. Hogan just takes out the giant to a big pop and Savage, you know, Hogan points to Savage and Savage finishes Tibiasi or something. Um, but yeah, at least he hits the elbow. He doesn't just pin him after the chair shot. Yeah, he needed to hit that elbow. It, 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 what, in the scenario you're talking about, it kind of becomes like the Undertaker at Over the Edge 98. Right. Like he's not beating up Vince McMahon. He's handling all the bullshit. Right, right. Yeah, Hogan just takes out Andre. Maybe Andre's about to sit on Savage or whatever it is, right? And Hogan takes him out with the chair or something like that. Yeah, you can have uh, Hogan, like, throw Virgil into the crowd or something. The maybe Andre's going to go, maybe go for the double underhook suplex. <laughs> Actually, Hogan had already murdered Virgil earlier this night, didn't he? Wasn't this a suplex on the floor? Yes, he suplexed him on the floor. That's right, Virgil's not even at ringside. Yeah, he dropped him on his fucking head. Um, so he's all in, all, he's I'm, in a medical facility. All in all, it's a fun match. Super compressed, obviously, due to the limitations and the long show. I think you could have built more to a climax, but with this crowd and the setting, it was probably smart not to. Um, but still, very rock solid. The entire night as a whole means more than this match. Like, it's definitely the story taken in full adds to this match. In a vacuum, this is just kind of a match that exists. It was fine yeah. at a full moment, but again, you need the hype and the build and everything to go into it to really make it stand out. Absolutely. Um, and it, and it starts to solidify Savage as like the early, uh, the very early Mr. WrestleMania. Right. 
Like, I mean, the night as a whole, that is. Um, but I thought the match was was pretty good. Um, I want to dock it just a tiny bit for I found they like I was like I said earlier, they maybe just didn't read the crowd super well at the very beginning of the match. I don't know if that's their fault, but it, I think it did suffer as a consequence. But out of 10, I'm at a five for match quality to start this one off. Uh, yeah, same for me, which it felt a little low when I put it down, because on this scale, I guess that would equate to like a two and a half, whereas normally I'd probably be around three for this. So we're not doing halves, so it felt closer to a five than a six. I don't know. Um, but I think it's it's right in that range. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because the star system is going to be a bit strange out of the with the 10 system, but that's OK. Like it makes sense to me. Now, what this does is it this is really like it as much as we're talking about, like it's still a Hogan promotion. Mm-hmm. It does speak very much to how much they thought about Savage to be going with someone new in this era where Hogan still this over. Yeah, but I think <clears throat> they don't ever really put the promotion on Savage's back. No. Uh, so that's why I ding the significance a little bit. Like if DiBiase wins the belt here, you could you could in theory have still done the Mega Powers angle without the belt. You know what I mean? Like to me, the title change didn't need to happen to make Savage a main event guy in an angle with Hogan. So yeah, it's big for Savage, and yes, it's like a, a pretty big night. But I, I don't know. I don't think the significance is actually super high. So I went six, which is above average, but like that was where I maxed out on it. Because again, I, I just I think you could have accomplished the same story just using Liz as the fulcrum. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I went seven. I went just a tad higher on it. But I think it's because I think this really also solidifies Savage as as a main event guy forever. I don't know if he if he ends up being a main event guy without this win. Or if he just ends up being like Brutus Beefcake, like Hogan's buddy, who maybe he. Well, what if with. what if they're the Mega Powers, <clears throat> they chase the tag titles, and then Savage beats DiBiase for the belt at SummerSlam and loses to Hogan at Mania? You know what I mean? Like it's. I guess my point is that you can kind of tell the same story without this moment if you had to. Sure, sure, but I think this moment helps the story. I think. Yeah, which is why it gets a six for me. I just I didn't want to go into that. Like seven through nine is like an upper tier to me. You know what I mean? And then ten's obviously like all timer. Um, but I, I just I, I think to me if you can like come up with other scenarios that don't necessarily take too much starch out of it, that that's where I land. Right. Fair enough. Uh, that being said, the moment I think is an is closing in on the upper tier. Yeah. Um. Yes, so I went uh, six on that. No, I'm sorry, moment? seven. I went seven. I was looking at the next line. Yeah, I went I, seven. I agree. It's it's such a big moment for Savage. End of the tournament. Uh, the celebrities, Hogan and Mega Powers posing. Like again, like we talked about, it's just iconic stuff. Images. And it's it, and it is the culmination of the DiBiase feud with Hogan in a lot of ways. Too, which I know is weird, but like. It does kind of close that chapter of this nefarious millionaire trying to buy the championship. Right. I mean, they do kind of feud this summer, but it's more Savage DiBiase and Hogan Andre. Uh, and then they come come back together at SummerSlam. But yes. Yeah. Um, the build. Now, when you were talking about the build for this one, did you factor in the tournament? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, see, I didn't. So maybe I'm going to bump it up just one. Because I thought the build for this, like it, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's all off the Hogan Andre stuff and and the DiBiase stuff. It's weird that Savage is almost not 
if you don't look at the tournament, Savage is like not involved in the build at all. Right. Yeah. Well, I just, <clears throat> again, it, it's a tough one to do because there was never going to be build to the finals. You know what I mean? Unless it's Hogan DiBiase, I guess. But I think DiBiase and the story is enough build for me to get there. Yeah, I think I'm good too. And then when you throw in the build of Savage working his way through the tournament, uh, that gives it a solid six. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at too. I, I mean, think of everything we covered on our last episode. That's all part of this build, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And then in the aftermath, I mean, obviously yes. we're getting, yeah, I mean, what we're getting is what I think is the greatest story they've ever told in the company. So this is always going to be high. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I went nine, obviously the mega powers is an iconic angle, iconic story. Um, it, like you said, it does legitimize Savage gives us a, a year long build to the next mania. I mean, it's, it's tough to beat as far as the follow up to a world title change. And it's funny because there's like barely any title defenses on pay-per-view. There's none until the right. next year. Right. But he does have some big matches, even on Saturday's mid event, wrestle fast against DiBiase. Like there is stuff yeah. there at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that gives him a total score of 67 for this run, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, ties it. Uh, no, it doesn't tie it. It puts it at third all time that we have so far. Yeah. I mean, I would say that seems a little high, but it's carried by the build for sure and kind of the moment around it, yeah. which is part of this project, right? It's not, if we were just ranking by star ratings, that would be it, right? This would probably be in the middle, easy. Um, I think it's going to be carried a bit by the stuff we just hit on. Absolutely. And maybe we might be, I mean, you and I are like two of the bigger savage marks too. Like I know I'm, right. we're trying to be fair, but I'm sure that clouds it to a degree too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we, we both probably in the same spot on this one as far as was it obvious? Like, yeah, I guess. Um, I think there's a, a world where DiBiase could have won. I don't think it would have been a surprise. So I don't think this is like a hands down yes. But it's you know, more obvious than not. I think probably would have assumed maybe. Although I don't know. I mean, I wasn't watching at this point. So I don't know if it was a big like shock or not. See, I my thing is I this was not available in pay-per-view. So I heard who won before I saw it. So it's hard for me to tell you if it was because I was watching at this time, right. it's not, it's, but it's hard for me to tell you if it was a surprise or not. Um, I mean, I would venture to say that, like, going with Savage instead of Hogan was probably a bit of a surprise because mm-hmm. you could see a world where they just give it right back to Hogan. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he just vanquishes DiBiase and Andre, you know, back to back or whatever. And that's it. Yeah. So so I went kind of like, yes, ish. Yeah. Yep. Right. I gave it the, yeah, not the yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, all right. So let's see where that one stacks up with our next one. Before we do that, Aaron, you want to quickly talk about what's going on at the North South? Yeah. I mean, great stuff dropping every day, uh, for hopefully for fans of all tastes. Um, we got stuff that's dropping that's wrestling based, that's non wrestling based also. On Mondays, you're getting uh, you and me again talking about every entrant ever in the Royal Rumble. We're about to enter a very dark time in the Royal Rumble, if you will, as we're going to delve into The Undertaker. On Tuesdays, you get TNA Never Dies, which is myself, you, and Jenny uh, going through early TNA and uh, shredding the last bits of my sanity. That runs in tandem with Jake Williams' Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast on Tuesdays, where he's bringing in a guest every week to talk about the Ruthless Aggressive era. On Wednesdays, New Gen on a Mission, uh, Pratt and Slomka are killing it like they always do. Uh, Thursdays, ECW three-way dance, you, D'Amato, and Jenny 
uh, going through the ECW era. Uh, and uh, Wrestling Wars has come back just on a bit of a hiatus, correct? That is correct. Good. Sorry, didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, you're good. <laughs> Rush off the uh, mute button. Um, uh, 9021 no so uh, is, God, you're already at episode nine coming up, right? Uh, yeah, we're cruising on that. <clears throat> That's moving along nicely. Uh, you know what that means? Also drops every other Friday, uh, which is the AEW podcast, uh, Jordan Duncan and Andrew Reich. Got this week in the NFL, WCW Must Die with Johnny C and Ryan Gray. Ryan's also killing it on the pay-per-view previews. I heard his last one with his buddy, which I thought really, which I really liked. thought they had a really great dynamic, those two. Mm-hmm. No Holds Barred on Saturday, which is what you're listening to now. From Squared Circle to Silver Screen. Cowboy and Logan going through movies about wrestlers or involving wrestling. Uh, Chronoso every Sunday night. We've got the two roads with um, the PG, WWE PG era and the early WCW era. And uh, Viewer's Choice just dropped Crown Jewel as of this recording. So I'm looking forward to listening to that instead of watching the show. Did I, I don't think I missed anything, did I? You did not. <clears throat> but actually, I, I, Crown Jewel is actually pretty good. Really? It was okay? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually, it was probably the best of the Saudi shows. And I would okay. argue it was probably one of the best pay-per-views this year that they did. Yeah. Am I going to feel dirty watching it, though? I mean, you feel dirty watching the WWE at all. Okay, fair enough. All right, all that going on, North-South Connection. Leave us a review. Um, you know, subscribe. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. We're always looking to improve. And thanks for the continued support on this endeavor. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we fast forward one year, still in Trump Plaza, April 2nd, 1989. Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man Randy Savage. These guys now have had a year long storyline culminating here. For most of the year, Savage was still a face. As things went on, he started to show some cracks. Started maybe, what, November-ish, where those cracks started to kind of come in, kind of get the glance, the look. And then by January, they're really starting to fracture. Things go over the edge in February at the main event. Again, for the second year in a row, main event plays a major role in WrestleMania storyline. And then one year later, back in the same building, Macho Man defends his world title against Hulk Hogan. Uh, it's really one of the most poetic things they've done, <laughs> the one-year build in the same building and the same two guys. Like, it's... It's pretty amazing, the the story that they told. Um, you know, they've probably had better storylines, not not many, but like Austin McMahon, et cetera. But none like that had this level of forethought, I think. This is probably the best they've ever done where they had a full year mapped out with this kind of fairy tale bookended ending in place and, and the story to get there. Do you agree with that point? Um, I didn't hear that point because the internet went completely out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I said, it's, while they may have had a few, a handful of maybe better storylines, did they ever have a better one that was fully mapped out with a beginning no. and end? And, you know, in this fairy tale finish in the same building, everything else. No, absolutely not. Uh, absolutely not. I, 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 I don't know if there's, I mean, what, what would be the better storylines than this? Would you say maybe Austin McMahon? Yeah, that's the one I mentioned when the internet went out. So I would say that, I mean, maybe Austin and the Hart Foundation. It's not as long-standing, but it's so hot for those few months, like the Brett and Canada stuff from, you know, if you want to call it from, like, Survivor Series 96 until SummerSlam or till Canadian Stampede, I guess, is really the, 
nominal Austin Hart feud. Yeah, where he starts calling Bret Art Bret out. The only thing <laughs> yes. with those is that neither like I feel Austin Hart Foundation doesn't really have an ending. Like, I mean, it, I mean, it does, I guess, if you consider Owen pinning Austin or Owen breaking Austin's neck. Yeah. I mean, I think they were planning to end it at 14. Yeah. But then they didn't. Yeah. So, and even Austin McMahon, I mean, I, I think if you end Austin McMahon at WrestleMania 15 with him, like posing with the beer in one hand, the belt in the other and his foot on his chest. Like maybe that kind of wraps it or up. But fully loaded. I think if it ends it fully loaded when he might retire, if he if like that's it for Vince for, or something for a while at least. Right. Know. Um. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I think you have to call it Austin McMahon one because I do think there's there's clear versions. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I mean the Austin McMahon kind of went on for like the next like 15 years too, so <laughs> one form or another. Uh, but but yeah, Sorry, like the, <laughs> yeah, I I think this is like. This is not only like, is it wrapped up nice and poetically, but like it really does seem to have a beginning, middle and end. Which a lot of stories don't necessarily. Like we get their friendship, we get their breakup, we get, you know, we get their breakup done in a logical and coherent way. Instead of just like savage attacking him and then being like, I don't need to explain myself to anyone, you know, like nothing like that. It it features so many things too, like. The belt, um, ego, the woman, you know, like, there's so many pieces to it as well. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it turns the champion heel during his reign, which is something that is extremely rare. rare. Yeah. Like the only thing, the only one I can ever remember that ever happening again is, um, I guess, in, I guess Austin in the invasion, but even then people cheered him the whole time. Right. Yep. Um, I guess CM Punk in 2012, but again, like that was very forced. So this is really the only time I've seen it done and I've seen it work. Yeah. Yeah. It was very natural. Yeah. And, and, and they just, yeah, like there's, there really is something about this long-term booking that I wish they'd get back to. This is so many. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a lot less to worry about back then, you know? <clears throat> I guess. Yeah, like, I've been, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, like, like I think, you know, when you compare, I mean, this is kind of off-savage, but when you compare a guy like Hogan to a guy like Austin, right, and you're thinking about, like, how over they were for their period of time, it, in a lot of ways, Austin becomes more impressive because he's on TV one or two times a week. Oh, yeah. And then 12 months a year on pay-per-view. And it's like, oh, my God, he's still sustaining this, right? And I think that speaks to how it's probably more difficult for them to tell these long-term coherent stories. Right. The only way you could combat it is by saying, well, Hogan was working, like, double-shot house shows all over the country. You know what I mean? Like, the touring yeah. was way crazier in the 80s than he was drawing. But I do think it's fair from a national exposure point of view. Because everyone's seeing that TV, only the local. You're only seeing Hogan, you know, maybe twice a year in your town, unless you're in a big town. Right. But then again, I mean, I say this, right? But then you have this story currently in AEW where uh, they've been building basically for two years with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. So and that's they're on TV all the time, too, and they've managed to stretch that out. So maybe it can be done. It maybe it has to be done more sparingly. I I don't know. 
But I'm encouraged to know that it still can be done. Right. They kind of did it um, with Cena Rock, I guess, was the last time they tried it, right? I mean, Rock basically challenged him before WrestleMania 27 for WrestleMania 28. Yeah. I mean, the only problem with that is that they were they, they did it with that, but they were still in the mindset here in 89 where they were able to book other storylines. Right. Whereas with Cena Rock, it felt like the entire promotion was on hold until right. that was finished. Yeah, and Rock wasn't even there for most of the time. That's it. All right, so we get a grand entrance. Um, <clears throat> he does come in first, and Jesse is, like, both ripping Hogan, gushing over Savage, and bitching yeah. that Savage came out first. Uh, but he is just, like, just in, in his glory over Savage, his world champion. And how can uh, he not be? Savage is decked out in that fluorescent orange mm-hmm. attire. Like, I, I find that attire so iconic. It's a really cool moment. Like, it would have been cool to be at both those shows, like, to have – seen both ends of this feud you know like a year later you're back it's kind of surreal in a way i'm sure um hogan gets a big pop and it's such a mega match it's been wonderfully crafted as we've talked about uh the only problem is again the sound vanishes so much in trump plaza that real american is not even blaring it's like echoing you can like hear the echo of the song well they also start it late yeah it's weird it's a pretty big fuck up for a big match right but you just hey, like talk- hear it. It's like, hers you know, this is like way. It's like it's, it's like a, a winter night, like a clear, crisp winter night. And you just like you hear a song over the mountains or something like. That's what it sounds like. It's, it's like in a sleepy town. Yes, in a very sleepy town. Oh, I love too that Jesse's all in on calling him the Luster or Lust oh, yeah. Hogan. He's on this one. This is like his dream scenario. Savage yeah. is like his all-time favorite. He gets to hype him up and shit on Hogan at the same time. Um, and he's just masterful. Like he explains all of Hogan's actions, reviews the whole storyline all during the entrances. It's like, it's just such, you don't even need a recap video because he just handles it for you right here. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wish they could still do stuff like this. Jesse yeah, I mean, was such a, such a treasure to this company on commentary. Mm-hmm. And and in a lot of ways, like fucked up commentary going forward forever because no one's going to be as good. Right. And again, it just sucks that like he had he had so many years to give still, and he just he's just gone. 1990. You know what I mean? Like think of all the quality years he could have put in. Uh, and, yeah. And a big help for them over what some video game dollars. Just pay him. He's worth whatever. Because right. like, I mean, it's been a long-standing point I've always had, but I really believe the commentators are are some of the most important people on the show because, or, or if not the most important, because they're the only ones you're with the whole time. And I'm sure you, I'm sure comment, I'm sure commentary can drive people away from the product. Oh yeah. Easily. Or at least mute it. Um, Jesse, yeah, right. however, does advocate that Liz get punched in the nose. Uh, cause she's riding the fence. He's That's just right. all in, all in on this. Yeah, he does not like her at all. Like, he's just very angry at her. Now, I will say off the top, the crowd is way, and it makes sense because this is the match they're there to see, right? But the crowd is into this from the very start. They're going crazy. Mm-hmm. A lot of psychology, too. There's baiting, there's stalling, some grinding. They're easing into it. Uh, the opening shine was kind of quick, and then they kind of slow pace into Savage getting in control. Hogan's bleeding pretty quick as well, but Savage is all over him, wearing him down. Yeah, and it's an interesting, like, not only does it, it does a great job, too, of selling Hogan's power at the start, but Savage yes. is also such an interesting opponent for Savage, because for, for Hogan, because up until this point, I mean, he'd fought Savage before, 
But the last yeah. little while, he's been fighting almost exclusively big guys. Right. Orndorff may have been the smallest, and he's still pretty big. So. Yeah. But even that, that's two years ago, right? Like, right. in that time, he's fighting Andre, he's fighting Bundy, he's fighting Kamala, he's fighting the gang. Like, you were really into the monster era of Hulkamania. And then he comes right. back and fights the smaller guy. Um, Savage dodges some comebacks, tries to alternate quick strikes into pin attempts, gets some grinding spots. Um, <clears throat> but then he spirals a bit. Like, you can tell he feels like he's not finishing this quick enough. Starts mm. to threaten Liz. He's kind of doing whatever he can to keep his title. Like, you can feel the palpable desperation from him. I, there's a bit of a desperation from Hogan, too, because he's doing right. this chain wrestling stuff with drop toe holds. Right. He knows he's going to go outside the box. I'm like, what well, am you I can feel a here? panic in Savage at some points. So like, he's like, fuck. Like, I'm not getting enough done right now. So he's like starting to lose it a little bit. Apparently, also, too, Donald Trump is chewing his nails on the outside of the ring, says Jesse. Very nervous. Very nervous. very nervous about this. Imagine, because you're talking about going and getting to see both these matches. Imagine getting to see both these matches and then getting to be president. <laughs> what a life. What a life. Uh, Liz is a real nuisance in this match, though. She does get in the way a bunch um, and kind of overshadows for a lot of it. Like, I get she's such a big part of the story. Um, <clears throat> I do think they could have taken her out sooner than they do. Like, Hebner eventually throws her out, but I think they could have done it quicker. I, I do think she actually distracts a bit in this match. Is Hebner the ref? Uh, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. But then it's it's strange that Hogan is okay with this. Well, he must have gotten like a blood test or vetted him out. <laughs> Which Hebner is it, brother? Um, Randy Savage should also be used uh, as a video to show everyone how to cinch in a chin lock. Because he just wrenches on Hogan when he's got that thing on him. A little personal payback. Yeah, yeah, right. I've heard Hogan tell the story of like, I used to do this to Bret Hart when he'd get out of line, brother. And he'd like sh shift his arm to make it hurt more. I like to think Savage is doing that to Hogan right here. Sure. Uh, Savage drives Hogan's throat to the barricade, which is always a cool callback to Steamboat. Like, Love it. He knows that's a go-to play for him, like a home run shot to try yeah. and break, break Hogan's larynx like mine's busted. Uh, so I like that he pulls that out of the repertoire to try and hit that. Uh, now comes my biggest issue with this match. Oh. I really don't think we needed Hogan kicking out of the big elbow, especially as dramatically as he does. If he has to kick out of it, just like a barely shoulder roll would have been fine. Like we didn't need him plowing out of the move and shaking it off or just have him roll out of the way. Like DiBiase did like that would have been fine too. Cause then a minute later he just finishes them off. Um, Look, if Savage was leaving or retired like two years later, right, fine. But here, we just didn't need to go as far as we did with Hogan just completely disrespecting the move. I think, and I mean, I maybe this is why it doesn't bother me, and I probably should as a Savage mark, but like, I think this was the end of Savage as a main eventer in their eyes. And so it didn't matter. But like, it should matter. I, look... <sighs> I don't know. Should it? Because that's what Hogan did to everybody's moves. Yeah, but this is like your world champion that is going to main event in your next pay-per-view. <clears throat> yeah, but he wasn't the draw in their minds of that next pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, it was Zeus. They were moving to Zeus, know. right? It's still Macho Man. It's still the big elbow. Like, this just ways around it. You didn't need to do it, I guess is my point. Like, Hogan's over enough, too. It's not like they had to say, we need to prove Hogan can work. But, or, like, a Hogan's a monster, so he's got to kick out of this elbow. You know what I mean? Like, he, um, yeah. I, I just, it was unnecessary to me. It felt gratuitous. Just I have, don't. 
Sam barely rolled out of the way. Like, he just got his ass kicked this whole match. Like, he should be more worn down. I know it's Hogan, and he's superhuman, but, like, just have him <laughs> barely roll out of the way. You know, it's like, look, the match I he's don't... been beaten on, it's an 18-minute match. He got beaten on for, like, 15 minutes of it. Like, he can just barely roll out of the way or just just get the shoulder up, like, barely at two and a half, you know, See, instead of just throwing Savage away. I don't disagree with you, but it's like, that's the act. Like, yeah, it would have made Savage look even better. Like to say, damn, he almost had him. Like Hogan normally would blow out of this. And even he barely survived the elbow. Yeah, I think in their minds, they were just done with Savage as a main event level guy. And, and I think they were until they realized like later how good he was. Like, not that they didn't know how good he was here, but it's like later on, they go back to him. But I think it's just because he's that excellent. Right. They do do that kind of slow rollout uh, pin earlier. Maybe maybe they shouldn't have done it earlier then. Like when Savage hits like a um, he, he gets like a he gets a big body slam and then he hits a knee on the throat and Hogan like barely gets the shoulder up. Right. Just do it like that. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's just I. I don't or just know. Have I don't miss it. Just have him miss it. Like it works fine with DiBiase. Like just have him barely roll out of the way, and Savage crashes. Then Hogan hulks up. Right, but then that that probably again, I'm, I, that probably would have taken away from the Hulk up, because the Hulk up comes from like getting hit with whatever that move is. Then do the Hulk up after the throat. I don't know. I just feel like there's <laughs> ways you could go around it without having yeah. to blow out of the move. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. Uh, like that. <laughs> they just said, have him barely roll up. Then they get up and Savage is peppering him with his punches and then Hogan comes back, you know? And it wakes him up. Yeah. It's it's not as dramatic. I just don't think he needed it. To me, it hurt the match more than it helped it. Uh, but it's a big pop. Um, it's a it's a great match. I, I think it is shy of like the all time next level for me. I've always felt that way. Uh, I do think Savage is awesome. Uh, I felt like this one though was a little more Hogan along for the ride than usual. Uh, mm. I've been pretty pro Hogan as a worker and reliving a lot of the '80s stuff, uh, but this is one where I really think it was Savage driving the driving the boat. Um, <clears throat> I think he he's just along with him. I love Savage's desperation, doing everything he can to save the title. It's a perfect way to go. Hogan's selling was good. Uh, it's a classic moment and a huge blow off to an all time angle, um, but not really because we continue on. This was not a You're full right. blow off, uh, but. All in, it's it's a great moment. I, again, I just think it comes up just short of me as like all time great. Yeah, I mean, I I like Hogan's. There's some desperation in Hogan too. Like there's one spot where he kind of picks him up and like runs over and body slams him over the top rope. Like I don't think I'd ever seen him do that before <laughs> to anybody. Right. Maybe Harley Race when he destroyed him at Saturday's main event. Uh, but yeah, I like what you said. I think there's great intensity throughout. As soon as Hogan kicks out of that elbow, like, you can just see Savage is dead. Right, that's it. Yeah. And the sell that Savage does on the big boot and leg drop is also very good. So, um, I don't think it's an all-time classic, but I do think it's a great match. Like, for me, it, it's one of those ones that, like, just kind of cracks four stars for me. Mm -hmm. Which is why, for match quality, I'm at an eight. Yeah, I'm at a seven. To me, it's always been probably, like, Right around there, three, seven, five, four. Uh, but it's on like the low end of those for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you also get this really weird thing at the end of the match where Hogan's like mugging for Trump. Trying to get a position in the cabinet. Yeah, right. I'm going to be the Department of Hulkamania, bro. Um, uh, that being said, 
like for significance. The Department of Fighting for the Rights of Every Man, brother. <laughs> you are my friend, and they attack you, so they're hurting my pride. CNN's hurting my pride. All right. Um, the, the significance, like, it, it does kind of feel like what we talked about when they were going back to Bruno. Like, they're going back to Hogan. That's what this title reign, this win kind of means and feels like. So it doesn't feel like a huge deal, which is why I'm at a five for significance. Uh. Yeah, I went five as well. I'm with you. Um, again, like they could have just never taken the belt off Hogan and, and we would have lost a great storyline. But like the importance of the rain doesn't change. Right. It's like what it kind of it's almost like the last year was like a wash in a way. Like, all right, we're right back to where we were a year ago in the same building. Um, so, yes, I think it's or you could add Savage, keep the belt here and it probably wouldn't matter either. I, I think there's actually an argument to be made. Um and I'll refer you to a recent mailback episode I did where this was a question. Like, could Savage have retained the belt here? I think you could have and gotten more mileage out of the feud. Like, I don't think they got nearly enough out of Savage as a heel champion. Like, I think there's a world where Savage keeps the belt here and loses to Hogan at SummerSlam. Hmm. Like Maybe wins do- by TQ or Countout or something. Um, and and you, you rematch to keep the Because you can't have Hogan chase Savage all summer. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to do that, you probably want to culminate it at the Mania the next year. Yeah, you're not going to go another full year, but... I know, but that's the thing, right? Is that, like, it's hard to end your the, your big show of the year on that kind of a finish. Yeah, but they haven't really fully established it yet, as that has to be something like that. You know what I mean? I guess. I mean, like, when you look at look what WrestleMania had been to that point... Like, I mean, the first one, whatever, it's that tag match, but then it's like Hogan conquering Bundy, Hogan conquering Andre, Savage conquering the tournament, you know, like. Right. Savage sneaking out. Like, you, you'd need something else huge to happen on the show, I think, to justify yeah. that. All right. Um, the moment, again, I went I went six this time. Um, it doesn't feel, like, as iconic to me as the year before. Uh it is a cool moment holding with the, the blood on his face and holding the title and all that. But I don't know. I felt a little notch below like the iconicism of Hogan, Savage, Liz. And the. I always think of the poster from that. Really, to me, that means a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a I'm at a seven. I'm slightly higher. I, I equate it to the year before. I think Jesse's better here. I think his rants are better. Um, the crowd is better. So I, I think it kind of all just kind of balances out in the wash. All right. Builds, uh, the build's a 10, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, Not even a discussion or debate there. Yeah. And then the aftermath, um, I went five. It's not a ton going on. Savage, like you say, gets backseated a bit. Hogan just kind of wraps things up with Boss Man. Then he's dealing with Zeus. And even up until Mania, like he doesn't do much else, like as champion during this reign. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a six. Um, simply from the fact of like, I, I really do equate it to like them going back to Bruno. Like, it's like you're going back to, like, the steadfast guy. He has a strong enough reign. Um, and it is leading to something, in theory, that's supposed to be bigger. So that's why I'm at a six. All right. So that's a very nice final score of a 69, uh, which is just above four, which I think heading in, you probably would have guessed. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it would have been. So I think that that feels about right. If anything, you'd argue me they're a little closer than you would have thought, which is probably my fault. But... Your fault for what? <laughs> I think I was a little lower on this one than you, so I think it made them closer oh. than you would think. Yeah, but still, it, I don't think they would have touched the Hogan, uh, the two Hogan ones, which I think is fair. The two earlier Hogan ones, like it, it shouldn't touch Hogan Chic. 
it should. No, I just probably. I think coming in, you might have thought five would be dramatically bigger than four. That's all. Yeah. Well, I, but everything you say about it makes sense. Like, I mean, I think five kind of thrives on match quality and build. Right. And then the rest is all a little bit disappointing. All right. Uh, so obvious. Yes. <laughs> this probably after Hogan Cheek, our most obvious one. Yes. Yes. Uh, maybe more obvious in a lot of ways because Hogan was like kind of a an unknown up to that point, whereas right. not, not an unknown, but like almost like an unknown commodity. Well, and the they company. could have done the MSG deal, right, where he wins by DQ the first time and then comes back and wins the belt or something. That's um, <clears throat> all right. Do you want to give our overall standings? Sure. I'll let you do them so I can breathe. Okay, so we're starting at the bottom. So our we've done how many have we done so far? We've done 12. And our worst, I'm just going to move this so that I can actually do this properly. Okay, so our worst uh, of all time so far is number 12, Pedro Morales versus Stan the Man Stasiak. And and that one's worse by like a long shot. That had a total of 16 points. And the next worst is uh, 31 points. So, uh, which also involves Stan Stasiak, which is where Bruno wins it. Then, uh, so that was uh, 11. So the 10th best is Bruno and Ivan Koloff. So Koloff winning the title. Ninth is, we should probably put these in order so this becomes a lot easier to do. Yeah, we should just make another tab. That keeps yeah, the going total. To. Uh, the ninth is Pedro Morales versus Ivan Koloff. And eighth, Bruno versus Billy Graham. So Billy Graham winning the title. Seven is... Backlund beating Billy Graham. That's at 43 points. Uh, six. Backlund Sheik. versus Iron Sheik. <clears throat> All right. And then we're into the top five. So five is our first one. Still holding on strong. Uh, yeah. Bruno beating Buddy Rogers. And then four is uh, WrestleMania four. Three is what we just talked about. The Mega Powers exploding. The second best of all time is Andre beating Hogan at the main event. And holding on strong as the most important slash best WWF world title change so far, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik. It's crazy because I think, again, if you were just like in your head ranking based on match quality or whatever, like <clears throat> that's where the bottom most likely put. Yeah, you'd, you'd think Mega Powers, I think, so far. All right, so that was a lot of fun. So next month, <clears throat> we're going to hit two matches again. We're going to cover the Ultimate Warriors reign, so we'll touch. WrestleMania 6, and then his uh, match with Sergeant Slaughter at Rumble 91. So those are the two we'll dive into in a month's time. Yeah, and that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where Hogan Warrior kind of lines up here. Right. Because that's a pretty heavy hitter, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, the Slaughter one is the Slaughter one is probably a more shocking one, but right. we'll see where that the um, the gods fighting at WrestleMania 6. If, it, if it's able to dislodge what we've had so far. Well, I think the interesting thing is we're going to start to see a real dip in, like, significance. Um, right. And moment and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where we're going to start to see some hits on some of these as we move forward. Yeah. But it's going to balance with match quality. Correct. It's only going to get better for a lot of these. So. All right. Uh, that's not it for Noel's Bar, though. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Uh, we will have our, what's next, December rankings, I believe. We'll be up yes, next. So. December. December workers, so looking forward to that. Uh, and otherwise, check us out on Now Entering the Rumble and everything else going on on the North South. Drop that Duke. We'll talk to you soon. John.
Just go ahead now.